0: It's time for the Mad Dog Show Coming to you live from the Park Group studio In the heart of the Bulldog Nation The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by
1: The Samford Company Dogbone.net Bulldog Illustrated Classic City Collective The Park Group Marketing and Media Bib Distributing Sellers Construction Ventures Barbecue Go Clean Co Jay Lee, Attorney at Law Pelicano Construction Jag's Pizzeria Macon Monogram, Ortho Georgia, Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Butler Auto Group, ASP, Ward Mini Storage, Walthall Oil Company, Beach Services, Willingham Sash and Door, and Grenford Chiropractic.
2: Now, here he is, the Mad Dog.
3: <sighs> it's week five at Auburn. I got nothing to rant about this week. I'm sad. Yes, we've won 21 home games in a row. And yes, we've won 22 games in a row. And yes, Kirby won 85 out of his first 100 games, which is the best ever in the SEC. But based on what I keep seeing on Facebook, we apparently aren't any good. And everybody on Facebook is a football expert they all know football better than our coaches they know football better than than kirby urban meyer says our schedule is no good and he should know based on all of the cupcakes that he scheduled with ohio state even though our offensive stats are as good or better than they were last year none of our fans are happy well none of our fake fans are happy and we have a lot of injuries and people keep getting sick. and So I guess we should, we should just forfeit the game to Auburn so we don't get embarrassed. We should just cancel the season. Either that or the real dog fans can talk about real dog stuff. And with that said, tonight, the Nostradamus of college football, Vance Levy from Bulldog Illustrated, the stat freak of college football, Pert Hodges from dogbone.net. Dr. Snitzer, street name, Dr. Feelgood, will make us feel better about injuries. And then the man they call Buffalo will share his thoughts. And the Deep South's oldest rivalry started in 1892. And back then, if you wanted to go to the game, you had to ride a horse. So it's time to giddy up. Once again, we're making him Ernest Key. Doctor, feel good. What's going on? Oh man,
4: just uh, back in the saddle again, looking for a uh, another big game this weekend.
3: All anybody wants you to say is Bullard is back and he's one hundred percent. Ditto, McConkie. If well, you are not going would... to say that, just lie to us.
4: Well, okay. Well, I wish. Uh, fingers crossed that both of those will come true. Uh, you know, I think. There's a good chance they were talking about McConkey practicing this week. It sounds like he has been getting out there. Um, you know, I still think it's probably going to be a game time decision. But I think all all arrows are pointing that he uh, there's a good chance he's playing this weekend. Um, Bullard, kind of the same way. You know, coming off you know the an ankle injury, just you know we just had to wait and see see how he's feeling, see what he's doing in practice this week, and uh, hopefully we have them both out there. Uh, you know, it's time to you know we're about to get into the heart of our uh, SEC play, so we're gonna. Um, we're going to meet every man that we can have.
3: Well, the word is is that they put McConkie on a full two-week shutdown. Mm-hmm. At some point, he was seen in Mississippi, seeing a specialist out there. They have now defined it. So, to me, that would be half the battle is defining it so you know how to treat it. Have you heard any of this?
4: Uh, I have not. I, I've been been pretty uh, slammed up here, so I don't know what. if I have to look up what exactly. Do you know what they called it?
3: I don't know what the name of it was, and having too busy of a schedule as a spine surgeon is not a valid excuse for the show. Just yeah. know that going forward. Yeah. This is your main focus.
4: This is my main focus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see what we got here. Uh,
3: I mean, we're all busy. It's not like you're doing life and death stuff every day.
4: Yeah. I mean, I know we, I know we went into the two-week shutdown. I haven't seen... I'm trying to find where is where they called exactly what he had. I haven't seen that. I still, yeah, nowhere have I seen what the exact diagnosis is, and I may have just missed that. And several things I've looked at, um, but I have not seen that. I did, I did say, told him to take two weeks off, uh, and then he could uh, get back to practice this week and have a good week. And he has a good week of practice that he could play Saturday.
3: So if he has, let's just say he plays in a game, he re-injures it. I mean, is it a thing like Mitchell last year where that happened with his high ankle sprain and then they kept him out even longer? Like, okay, we can't do this again, so now we're going to shut you down for a month?
4: Uh, it certainly could be. Uh, I'm trying to I find exactly what the injury is. I'm trying to search it now while I'm sitting on here with you. Uh, that was old. Yeah, well, I wish I, I wish I had more information for you there. Again,
3: well, this this just came out um, via Mike Griffith, and yeah. so it, it, you may not even be able to find it. I think this was just on an interview before we taped. Okay, with Bullard, but, though, that's that's kind of easier yeah, Bullard, to track.
4: Bullard's, yeah, so Bullard's ankle, we know he's got an ankle. We know ankle sprain. It, it's the same kind of thing. You know, I think it's you know it's one of the things that day to day get him on the field and.
3: And and in the case of Bullard, thank God, it's like an old fashioned, regular old ankle sprain. Nothing, no high ankle sprain. It's just a regular ankle sprain. Yeah,
4: exactly. Um, you know, those can anywhere from you know a week to two. Sometimes they can take a little bit longer. You know, certainly thought that dreaded high ankle sprain that we're hearing. You know, I and mean, we've had we've had you know we've had a kind of a rash of those here. We've got what four guys that have undergone procedures to address those just since we started camp. So um, you know. They'll trot.
3: They'll trot Bullard out there with eight rolls of tape on that ankle.
4: Yeah, exactly. they will have to wear probably have a tape underneath. they have to wear a shoe size bigger than normal and uh, get him out there see so how he can handle
3: it. Is that what they usually do? They tape underneath and then they put they'll the tape shoe underneath on.
4: and over. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, some of these bad ones, I mean, they'll tape underneath and put a splint on and shoe and then tape again. Um, you know. Okay. Okay. It's quite bulky and it's tough to All move right. in. So. You All right, got back balance, the amount of support with uh, with uh, being able to move too.
3: They'll splint it as well. Yeah, just like a,
4: you know, it's like a kind of like a U strap kind of splint around it, like an okay. air. Okay. Okay. So it, it still allows for motion, but it just helps give it a little extra support.
3: So we know uh, Mims is out. He had the tight rep procedure. Um, Roderick Robinson haven't heard anything about him. What about Kendall Milton? He had a MCL sprain. Yeah,
4: again, the MCL sprains, can go for go from one to two weeks to six weeks, really. You know, certainly it wasn't a tear, which is, you know, what we heard with what Chubb had. He's having, actually having surgery on his, I am not know anything left. But we also saw his devastating injury, and it turns out he just had a MCL tear. So we know Milton didn't have that. Um, so then, you know, you got, you know, several grades of strains. Hopefully his was a lower, kind of like a grade one MCL. Usually out, you know, maybe one, anywhere from one to three weeks. Uh And getting back out there maybe you have to wear a little bit of a brace when he first gets back out there but certainly we should have him back pretty pretty soon
3: well if he did that in the south carolina game that means this game will have only been two weeks best case scenario is grade one which would put him as questionable i bet we don't i bet we don't see him
4: yeah unless unless he really had a very mild mild grade one i would expect he's probably out
3: so, he's out. Roderick Robinson's out. That leaves us with Dejon Edwards, mm-hmm. Cash Jones, yep. Andrew Paul, Sivon Clark. Are you going deep now. I know. And congrats again to Sivon for scoring his first touchdown. And then, again, my guy, Leneath Whitehead, Athens boy, transferred back out of Tennessee. I keep waiting for him to see the field. I mean, maybe he's the stud we're holding back.
4: Yeah, it's kind of a little bit of committee back there. But, uh, you know, they've been getting the job done. Obviously, we'd like to see, you know, more – we always want more production, right? Um, But, you know, ball security, get some yards, um, you know, get everybody their time and see who can stand out and make the plays.
3: Well, and just as important, let's not add anyone to this list.
4: You know, it's been a tough year for me. Uh, You know, I've had (laughs) – we had – but significant more injuries than last year. I know Ron has got his hands full. that Ron Corson, the head trainer, He's got his hands full up there right now, trying to get these guys back out on the field. Certainly doesn't want to uh, want to have to go through this again. Um, but hopefully, we can uh, continue to be on the mend and get through through a big off week this week. Um, uh, then we get Kentucky, right, and then uh, and Tennessee, and then uh, then we get an off week. So um,
3: you know. Corson should start having his own press conference. I mean, <laughs> Kirby's per, Kirby's not going to really tell you too much during the week. I mean, you're no, not going to get, he goes, goes, gonna get goes, any revelations he or juicy tidbits.
4: They're not going to say much at all. Plays everything real, real tight.
3: Right. So let's let's have a Corson conference.
4: Yeah. We'll have to get him on the show one day. See if he'll come on. Maybe after the season's over.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, Ryan, well, I know that you're in between surgeries, and so you've got to get back there and do a spinal fusion, so I'm going to let you run. All right, my man. (laughs) See you next week with a hopefully shorter list. And once again, we have Bert Hodges from dogbone.net. I think your new nickname should maybe be the Stat Freak because you got him.
5: We're breaking them, and we're you know we're getting to that point in the season where it actually means something. You know, we talked about these first few weeks as we devour all these cupcakes. It's uh, it's hard to really parse out through these stats what is meaningful and what isn't.
3: Yeah, and um, I think it's just one of those things. Like you said, they just get more and more meaningful over time as you have more and more numbers to factor in to those averages. That's-
5: That's it. You know, and I was looking at the lineup for this weekend in the SEC. And if you love SEC football, this is a great week for you because we've got all – every team in the SEC in SEC action. So um, for the first week this year, we've got an all-SEC lineup and a lot of really close lines on those games too. We've got, you know, several games that are – Pickem are close to it um you know Kentucky and Florida being one of them uh let's see LSU who's LSU playing uh Mississippi State I think that's close to a uh, excuse me Ar- Arkansas
3: LSU plays old Miss don't they
5: Oh yeah I'm in week 5 sorry Yep, I got my schedule right here LSU old Miss the pickem uh are close to it and then um you know, everybody else is in action. So I can't wait for this weekend.
3: What do you think about our line, 14 and a hook?
5: I thought it was low. And the reason I thought it was low is because I watched the Auburn-Tex A&M game with an Auburn friend of mine. And, um you know, all he could talk about was just how anemic their offense is. Like, I mean, they – if you watch that game, like, they just cannot move the ball at all. And, um, you know, they have two quarterbacks, which means they have no quarterbacks. And they can't figure out which one of those bad quarterbacks to play in the game. And uh, so I hope that that carries over into um, this week's game. Auburn in the third quarter of the Texas A&M game uh, got two total offensive yards.
2: Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. What do you think about that line? It's like it, like I thought, it's it's low. Maybe they want it to finally give us a shot to cover. Or yeah. maybe they just think it's an SEC game on the road, and it's a big rivalry game. And we've been a team that's been uh, known for slow starts. Mm-hmm. We get in there and with our quarterback who hasn't been into a hostile environment and not up. Yeah.
5: Yeah. I mean, it, this will be his true first true road test. Um, and, you know, we'll see how that pans out. But, you know, Graham Coffee. I always reference Graham Coffee with Dog Central. He had this theory last year that we talked about a little bit. And I think it's a Kirby theory, but he assigned it to Munkin, which is Munkin kind of plays this long game where, you know, we're not going to show anything more offensively and probably defensively than we need to, especially in these early games where we can be kind of vanilla and work through the issues and kind of use those games as practices And we don't really pull out, you know, the big guns until later in the year while we're kind of developing um, the offense, developing the defense. I mean, if you look at the end of last year, let's start with SEC championship on. We averaged on offense over 50 yards per game. LSU, we scored 50. Uh, Ohio State, I think, what was it, 42 and then um, the national championship, we had, what, 65. So, um, you know, I think that I, this is what I'd like to believe, too, is that we're kind of playing this long game where, yeah, we're working through some things on offense. Clearly, um, we're not where we need to be. But, um, you know, the goal is, especially with these early games, is just constant improvement and, and getting good at the basics. And you can see, you know, there's a lot of – A lot of drives during these last four games where we just kind of stutter and we don't really do what we're supposed to. And ideally, you know, we kind of work that out early in the season so that when we get to the playoffs, we get to the SEC championship, then we're clicking on all cylinders. So, you know, Graham's theory is we play the long game. We go vanilla as long as possible, work out the kinks on the plays that we're not great at so that when it comes to playoff time, we're great at
3: everything. Love that theory. I think there's a lot of validity to it. It just drives the fans crazy along the way because they're wanting to see, you know, us open up the playbook. You know, still, you know, you don't, you haven't had McConkie. He's a game changer. So that leaves a bunch of wrinkles out, I think. And gosh, yeah. we got him back this week. But who knows? I still feel like he's the, the Pickens and the A.D. Mitchell of the last two years. But I'm hoping not.
5: I am hoping, and you know, we didn't mention this last week, but I watched the SEC inside. You know, the week of the South Carolina game, and um, they—I meant to mention this, but they showed him practicing in that SEC inside. Really? Yeah, he was catching up. Unless there's another 84 on the team, he—he um, he was catching passes in practice and. Um, word was he, he was clocked at 22 miles an hour in practice. So he's, uh, he's back up to speed and Kirby said, you know, he's, it's time to, um, get him back into practice. So, uh, we'll see.
3: Yeah. I mean, at some point you just got to put him out there and test it. If it doesn't work, uh, you know, he's probably going to be, who knows, shut down for the month of October.
5: Yeah. If he's back soon, I mean, you think about it, our wide receiver room is so deep. You know, let's combine the tight ends with that, too. I mean, we are so – we probably got seven or eight wide receivers that would start for almost any SEC team out there. So um, – but he he's key. Kirby said his experience is crucial.
3: And you, and you get him back and it frees up Dylan Bell to play more running back.
5: <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. To his rightful position. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea, you know. Old, I forget which running back it was. One of our old running backs had pined on Dylan Bell being a running back and said it was kind of a slap in the face
3: to the running backs. But oh, that was no Sean. That was no, no Sean. Said yeah,
5: that. okay. Yeah. I mean, w- look at how many running backs we got hurt. Though we really don't have any choice. We, you know, I'd love to see him back at the wide receiver position because it means these guys are healthy again. But We've only got two or three healthy running backs right now.
3: <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, when you see him out there in that position, he looks like a natural just with the moves he makes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean,
3: he looks – it's like he just completely changes his personality from receiver to running back. And yeah. doesn't yeah. get the beat.
5: Yeah, you know, he's he's that flex player like Hans Ward used to be. I mean, Hans yeah. Ward was everywhere on the field for us, but you're right. Bell's one of those few wide receivers that you see that's just not afraid to run right over somebody.
3: He's our Cordero Patterson.
5: <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> but it'd be nice to see him back at wide receiver because that really gives us another dynamic there, you know, where we're just trying to distribute the ball to the best players and – um if we have the running backs there, it'd be great to have him back, you know, throw the ball too.
3: Like asking everybody and nobody seems to know a, a a status, current status on Kendall Milton.
5: Man, I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's just one thing after another with that guy, and I feel for him because it seemed like it was a hamstring the past two years. I know it was kind of a hamstring part of this year, and then was something else. Um, but he's just he hadn't been himself in a long time.
3: I think the latest thing was MCL because he didn't play in the UAB game did he?
5: That's right yeah we held him out. We held out both Robin well one of them's out the the other Robinson what Roderick Robinson we held him out too so um, yeah, it'd be great to get both of those guys back this week.
3: I keep saying I'm ready to see Laith Whitehead.
5: <laughs> yes, exactly.
3: I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting. I mean, we got, we got all the way down the depth chart. Sivon yeah. Clark scoring his first touchdown, which I was happy to see.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, he, he dipped his little toe into the portal and jumped back out. Yeah. So, um, good to see you him. You never right. know.
5: You never know until those guys get in the game. I remember NoShawn's first game, what was it, back in 2006, 05, something like that, against Boise State at home. Mm-hmm. And he just came out and just ran all over him. So, you still don't know until you get those guys in the game what they're going to do.
3: Right. I think probably with him the challenge is learn the playbook.
5: Yeah, right, because he's just a true freshman, right? He didn't come in early or anything. No, no,
3: no. Whitehead, is uh, he was like a junior. So, he's an Athens Academy guy, went to Tennessee, oh. had injury-plagued two years, and might have uh, even had an additional red shirt in there. So he might be like a fourth-year junior.
5: Okay. All maybe, right. Well, he decided yeah.
3: he wanted to come home, transfer mm-hmm. back in. I don't even know if he's on scholarship.
5: Yeah. I don't even see him on the depth chart. Do we have him listed on the depth chart?
3: That's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't even seen a depth chart because I know Kirby won't. Well, he, well, has Kirby put out a depth chart for the quarterbacks?
5: Yeah. Uh. N- I don't know. I haven't seen one. I haven't checked it. Yeah.
3: We'll put Buffalo on that, on that assignment.
5: Yeah. Right. He's depth. He's a depth chart guy. All right. <laughs> let's jump into <laughs> some stats. All right. um, let, first of all, let's look at, let's look at the SEC net yards per play week four, and then we'll jump into the national. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> we don't have a whole lot of change. Uh Let's see, one and two, I think, change places for this week versus last week. We kind of talked about that. So Kentucky is leading the SEC in net yards per play right now with a gaudy 2.82. And you may ask yourself, why in the world is Kentucky leading the SEC in net yards per play? And it is because Kentucky has played Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, and Vanderbilt. So they eased out of their cupcake schedule into the SEC cupcake, and hence they lead in net yards per play. So as we talked about, this metric can get a little skewed early in the year because of um, the strength of schedule, and it'll it'll work itself out over the next few weeks. Um, Ole Miss drops to number two after um, – getting beat down by Bama last week. They dropped a whole yard net yard per play versus, um, week three. Um, their offense did not look very good and Bama's offense kind of got rolling in the second half. So, um, they, they dropped back quite a bit. There we are at number three. Um, we bounced up a little bit with, um, with the win, um, you know, offense looked pretty good. Defense uh, could have been better. But um, we're still sitting at 4.3 yards per play on defense, which isn't bad. So, ideally, where we want to finish the year, if we're really rolling, seven yards per play on offense, four yards per play on defense. That's pretty much what our 2021 team looked like. So, uh, if we can get close to that, then we're, we're probably in the playoffs. We're definitely in the playoffs. Uh, Tennessee's at four, Missouri's at five, and you know, we got a lot of a lot of mid-pack: Texas A&M, LSU, Florida, Alabama, all jumbled together at about one six to one two, and then um, picking up. Well, let's talk about Auburn for a second. They're at .75, um, Last week was a killer for them. They dropped. yards with that anemic offense against Texas A&M. Auburn's defense is pretty good, though. Um, They're averaging 4.81 yards per play on defense. So that's something we've got to look for this week: is how well we move the ball against Auburn. I'm going to be shocked if they move the ball well against us, but um, we may struggle a little bit moving the ball against them because they've got a pretty good defense. So. Um, that'll, that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. Uh, Arkansas at 11, Mississippi State at 12, Vandy at 13 and South Carolina pulling up the rear at 0.09 and um, that Mississippi State win actually dropped them back further. Uh, their defense is terrible. They're averaging over six yards per play on defense um, and that is not going to get it done so, I'm thinking South Carolina's a lot of smoke and mirrors this year, just like they were last year. And um, things are going to come to a head in the next few weeks as they get into the grind of the SEC schedule.
3: That – the South Carolina number just to me is intriguing because I look at them at the bottom and then I look at where Tennessee is and on paper my gut tells me South Carolina wins that in a shootout, which Mm -hmm. makes sense because their defense is not good. And mm-hmm. it looks like if you look at those numbers that, you know, Tennessee's not setting the world on fire on defense, but are considerably better. So yeah. when you have a situation like that, it's kind of a yards per play anomaly of just <laughs> like last year, I'm sure it looked similar when South Carolina played Tennessee, but they had an anomaly and they whipped them.
5: Yeah. And you got to think that's going to factor into this year's game. I mean, you know that was a stunner of a game last year, like as incomprehensible as almost any game we watched last year. And you got to think, all right, Tennessee's at home this year; um, they're looking for revenge. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee um, bounces back this year against them. Um, Part of this this anomaly in this yards per play with Tennessee and South Carolina is South Carolina's had a pretty difficult schedule so far. I mean, they've had Mississippi State, they've had us, they've had North Carolina. Tennessee, on the other hand, has played Virginia, Austin P, University of Texas, San Antonio, and Florida. So Florida's really been their only game so far this year.
3: Right. That one to me is it's going to be interesting to watch because you know how electric Bryce Williams was last year, and Tennessee going to try and throw that same thing right back in their face. Yeah. But yeah. If, if, if Rattler is just locked in like he was against them last year, it's almost like oh, I'll just outscore my defense.
5: His numbers are insane. I think he was 18 of 20 last week against Mississippi State uh his completion percentage I don't have it in front of me but that guy is he is on fire this year
3: well I mean everybody says he's probably going to be the best quarterback we face all year
5: I hope so um yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would like to think that that's in the past that we're not going to deal with one of those and we're so good at halftime adjustments I mean we came out in that second half and we had we figured out how to stop him but Man, I mean, that first half he looked great, and he looked great against Mississippi State again.
3: Yeah, he's <clears throat> yeah. Uh, he's going to be playing on Sundays for sure.
5: He will. He's he did himself a favor staying in college this year and um, getting his padding his stats because he'll go a lot higher than he would have last year.
3: And he seems just a lot more mature when you see him in uh, you know his interview after the game last week. It, it seemed like you were talking to a pro quarterback. He was just yeah. dialed yeah, in. Yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah. You know, he's carrying that whole team, though. Yeah, he, he is it. You know, they don't have a defense. They don't have a running game. So they've got a couple good wide receivers, but that's it. He's carrying that team. So we'll see how far he can carry him. If he gets hurt, God forbid, for South Carolina, they're in uh, they're in big trouble.
3: It's almost like though, it's better for his draft stock because he can go look. I carried this team. You know, it was me me running, it was me passing, scrambling, it was me everything.
5: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and maybe he gets hurt in the middle of the year before things fall off, and he's like, well, look how I started. I mean, yeah, I'm great. I just had to sit it out.
3: Getting a non-career-threatening injury for him might be the best thing for his his (laughs) NFL career, so he can just say, all right, we suck, I'm done. That's I'll stand it. by my body of work. Um <laughs> you should take me in the first ten quarterbacks.
5: That's it. These first four games, that's what you should should judge me on. Go by that. I'm out after that. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. All right. So um that's SEC. Let's say you you asked for national and yes. uh, so I put together some national net yards per play, just so we could kind of see in the other conferences who are contenders and who are pretenders and um so we've got leading the pack right now nationally in net yards per play at a really gaudy 4.12 is washington and i have not watched a lot of washington my son was telling me they have a dynamic quarterback that um is uh yeah he he could do things in the pros as well um, their schedule has not been that tough. So I think that, you know, this number, this plus four net yards per play, um, you know, reflects the schedule to a certain extent, probably with a lot of these teams. So coming in second is Southern Cal at 3.92, Oregon at 3.82. They really padded their stats last week against Colorado. Um and UCLA at number four with 3.52. So, interestingly enough, national net yards per play, four-pack, 12 teams. And
3: you know, it's got to be, you know, just driven by their inability to play defense in that conference. It skews it both That's ways. Good. Yeah.
5: Yeah, Right. So, yeah, you look at their offensive numbers. Washington and Southern Cal are averaging over nine yards per play on offense.
3: That's nuts. That
5: that is absurd. Um, And Oregon's over eight. So, um, and then Notre Dame is uh, the first non-Pac-12 team at three point five. Ohio State six at three. Kentucky seven at two point eight two. Michigan eight two point seven seven. Ole Miss fell back to ninth at 2.68, and there we are at number 10 in uh, 2.63. Um, what I also did was the a couple of these teams are not ranked. And um, so UCLA, they lost to Utah. They're not even ranked. And then Kentucky is unranked as well, just by virtue of their sorry schedule. So... Mm-hmm. Wanted to see what the other top 10 ranked teams are doing. Uh, Texas is at 2.09, Florida State at 1.12, and Penn State at 1.37. So the three teams not in the top 10 um, in net yards per play rankings, those are um, those are where they stand. Florida State's interesting because you'll recall – Last year, late in the year, they started showing up in our national net yards per play. They were actually ahead of TCU. And if we were just looking at net yards per play late in the year, um, Florida State would have been in in the playoff. But I think they lost a couple of times early in the year. And so they didn't make the playoff. But by the end of the year, they were right near the top in net yards per play. This year, they're all the way down at 1.12, but who else do they have on their – I mean, ACC's okay, but who who else on their schedule is going to beat them? I mean, it's just ACC action for them. From yeah, I mean,
3: that number should steadily climb, right?
5: I would think yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, they've had a pretty tough schedule so far with Clemson and LSU, and Clemson actually outstatted them in that game last week. Oh,
3: they got so lucky. To win that game. I mean, the ball literally bounced yeah. their way.
5: It did. Yeah, I know. We watched the, you know, that, that scoop and score that happened in the Florida State game. Um, I was watching the Auburn game with an Auburn friend, and Auburn did the same thing. That was Auburn's only score in that game was a defensive score.
3: How bad did you feel for the Clemson kicker, who had it all <laughs> right there for him to have just the storybook <laughs> kick?
5: Right, yeah. I mean, you know, they kept talking about how they were recruiting him off the beach from right here in Charleston. So, came off the beach, he could have come in to win the game, and then uh, just drove a dagger. Through oh,
3: him. oh, I felt terrible for him. i tell you what, I felt, yeah. and I never do this, but I felt terrible for Notre Dame fans as they watched their coach completely mismanage the clock at the end of that game. It was driving me crazy, and I hate Notre Dame.
5: I know. I know. It it was and then you know the defense played incredible the whole game and then right at the end they let them drive right down the field and then last two plays on the goal line on first and goal on the one they had 10 guys on the yeah. field. <laughs> I mean, it's just
3: a terrible <laughs> both plays terrible yeah. look and and Ohio State's quarterback did not look good.
5: No. No. He He's no C.J. Stroud, and uh, I'm happy to see that because if somehow Ohio State plays uh, their way into the playoff, um, he he's not nearly as intimidating as last year's
3: quarterback. No. It's amazing that they can't find somebody better to sling it to those amazing receivers. And maybe it's just because he's new and growing into the position, but he needs to start growing fast because, you know, they need to be worried about the Penn States and the Michigans of the, of the world who – would. Yeah. I mean, they're l- so lucky that they won that game. It's unbelievable. They, they really and are. I wanted they them to are. win just so I could see Ryan Day's head just split open and melt because he's been so tortured by Lou Holtz all week. <laughs>
5: tortured by him, right? Yeah. An old man going. Oh, out, yeah. An 86 so. year
3: old man just dogging yeah. him out.
5: Right. Yeah. I just can't see Kirby doing that after a big win, you know, like Kirby. Does, it doesn't seem like he pays attention to the criticism very mm-hmm. much, but to in a big moment like that, that's what your message is going to be, is going after old, old man Notre yeah. Dame.
3: It's like let him get to you.
5: <laughs> right. He did. Yeah, I know. That's not the first time. Ryan Day, I think he's got pretty
3: thin skin. Well, did you see the piece that Reese Davis put out just kind of to, you know, as a juxtaposition to Ryan Day doing that, talking about what the consummate professional Kirby was and went back to, you know, after the 2017 National Championship and, um, you know, that painful loss, talking to Kirby in the hallway afterwards and, you know, he was just – Complete pro about it. Didn't blame anybody. Didn't blame the refs and um, conducted himself exactly, you know, how you should, um, mm-hmm. but then walked away and, and got down the hall and, and walked past a, a locker and uh, punched it as hard as he could where, where, where nobody could see him, you know. It, it basically <laughs> just showed, uh, yeah, I'm a human. I'm yeah. a human being and that just, this tears me up.
5: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, he he's always on message when when he needs to be, and you know, man, he he can throw out some platitudes or catchphrases like nobody else. I mean, his repertoire, like his arsenal of little little catchphrases, is unlimited. And,
3: and he there is zero hesitation. It's like somebody comes and asks him a question, and boom, it's like you said, he's on message, yeah. and he's you know just rolling. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's. It's unbelievable.
5: Yeah, I know. Yeah. And so, and you got to see all of those catchphrases in that um, SEC inside, yeah. you know, like one moment at a time. Yeah. Seems like that's the theme of this year is one moment at a time. Yeah. yeah.
3: That, that was funny because people were saying, man, I couldn't believe, um, you know, when that excerpt from the halftime leaked out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was him saying one moment at a time. And people were like, man, I just thought that he was just going to, you know, lay down a face melting tirade, and I was like, "Well, you do know that he realized that SEC inside was there for the show that yeah. week, right?" And they're like, "Huh?" I was That's like, it. "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he knew there was cameras There's there. Huge
5: cameras in <laughs> there, right? He's probably got a microphone on." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not like that laptop video before the SEC championship, right? You know? He he did not think there was a camera in there exactly. then, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, a couple of last quick hitter stats. Um, If you could throw up the uh, SEC offense okay. net yards per yep. play, I just want to point out real quick that if you look at the bottom of this, and this is what we uh, discussed a little bit, Auburn's offense is terrible. They're at the bottom. But look who is just above off, Auburn in um, net yards per play on offense.
3: That's crazy.
5: Yeah, I mean, who would have ever? Thought by the way, anybody who's just
3: listening, the team he's talking about that's just above Auburn is Alabama.
5: Yeah, yeah in the in the annals of Alabama offensive football since Nick Saban has been there, for them to be ranked below Vanderbilt in offense right now is um, it's astounding, it's mind blowing. Yeah, and, um, you know, they did look better in the second half against Ole Miss, but, um, I mean, it wasn't great. I mean, Milrow looked better than he has been, um, but they're just – they're not clicking. And, uh, you know, hopefully that will continue to be the case and hopefully it will continue to be the case with Auburn because, um, you know, I think our defense should really – I'd like to see our defense really gel – and have a complete game soon. And this would be the weekend to
3: do that. Without a doubt. I'm looking at these, and it's interesting to me, to my eyes drift to number of plays because I know that um, that's a key stat right there, and we're up at the very top with 286 plays. And mm-hmm. the only team that's in front of us is Vanderbilt. They played five games. but mm-hmm. Aside from Vandy is their outlier because of that number of games, we got – more plays than anybody.
5: We do, yeah. We like to run plays and control the ball. And, you know, with this new clock rule, I mean, it really emphasizes how important each possession Mm -hmm. is. Like, I mean, you really need to capitalize on each possession. And Going back to that SEC inside, it was so interesting listening to Kirby talk about, all right, second half of this game, we're going to have six possessions. We're going to score on four of them. You know, we're going to hold them to one score. Like, he's already thought through, all right, how many times are we going to get the ball? And then what are we going to do with the ball? And let's not turn the ball over because that is super critical.
3: And if you run into a team who can just have clock-eating drives that end in touchdowns, and then you got a defense that can cause a three and out,
1: you can Mm -hmm. just
3: suffocate somebody literally by just play, keep away with the ball.
5: That's it, and that's where having a really stellar running game comes in. I mean, we had some drives the past two years where we ate nine ten minutes off the clock, just running the ball, get a third down, get a new first down, run it all the way down the field, Don't even score, run off the clock, and the game's over yeah,
3: well, that's yeah. literally what I'm hoping we do this week is just seven minute drives and in and touchdowns, and then three and outs,
5: yeah. 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 And, you know, hopefully that that loss to Texas A&M took a little bit of steam out of the home crowd. So if we can avoid that slow start that we have all year and take the crowd out of it a little bit more, I think that will be helpful, too. But I don't think
3: think it's going to take the steam out of them from the beginning. They're going to show up because just like I keep saying, the Georgia game is everybody's national championship. They can mm-hmm. be we are their natty. Every week we are somebody else's natty.
5: Yeah, we are. And it's gonna be like that the whole year. So we just gotta be ready for it. Yeah. Um yeah. Everybody's gonna give just like they used to with Alabama, we're gonna get everybody's best shot. Cole Kubrick said this year, third quarter, Georgia has outscored the opponent fifty six to zero.
3: It's our quarter. <laughs>
5: yeah, it is our quarter. We didn't yeah, happen in I mean, the first they, quarter. That's it. We did. You know, we used to do that. Like, either 22 or 21, like, was one of those years where first quarter we just came out rolling in most every game. And, um, you know, this year, super slow, and then everybody's stressing, and then third quarter, bam, we just light it up. So it would be nice to take that and move that to the first quarter.
3: Absolutely. It does give you some solace if you've had a slow start and you go into half like we did against South Carolina, that there is hope because at halftime of that game, i got to be honest, I had lost all hope. I had said goodbye to everything. For me, it had been a nice run. I I said goodbye to it. I gave it a funeral. (laughs) And I had come to peace in terms of the fact that it was over.
5: Yeah, right. Like all the stats, you know, like our winning streak, our home winning streak. Um, yeah, all the stats. I mean, you, you hate to see those go by the wayside for, you know, something like that. And living here in Charleston um, and losing to South Carolina is just – it's unmanageable <laughs> for me. I mean, you can't deal with it. So I was feeling a lot of the same things. I was like, you know, surely we got to turn this thing over.
3: Well, and it's – your situation with South Carolina and Charleston is the same situation as I have with Auburn and Macon, you know, we don't have yeah. any game talks over yeah. here, volunteers, gators. But if yeah. you lose to Auburn, buddy, you're yeah. gonna hear about it. Yes. Forget, the, forget that you've won fifteen out of eighteen. None mm-hmm. of that all that goes out the window. By the way, if you bring that up, you know, you're being mean to them. You are just you because <laughs> they can dish it out but they can't take it.
5: Right. They need to go to their safe they need space. To triggered. They're triggered.
3: They need to go to their safe space. Um but I don't know where that is. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was looking at that stat though, cuz like I I was thinking about how different this rivalry is now than it used to be. I mean, you know, in the 80s and 90s this rivalry, even in the, the 2000s, um it was pretty much a back and forth rivalry and then um yeah, you know, I guess after what oh what they so Cam Newton was 2010 so, you know, that year they went to the national championship um, with um, that, old, that quarterback that used to play for us in 2013, they went to the national championship. So those were the only two regular season. Oh, and then um, at home when we they beat them and then we beat them. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. But a couple of national championship teams and one other, and that's it.
3: Yeah, and prior to all that it- – the series was in a weird space where it was like the away team always won. You remember when we did that? It was mm-hmm. just the away team always yeah. was, for whatever reason, won for like 20 years. Yeah. yeah.
5: yeah. We, we won there, and they won it in Athens. And a lot of those, when you weren't supposed to mm-hmm. win, like while we were, I think with Stafford one year, we won, and we we were underrated. We, we were underdogs in that game. And, yeah, I know. Well, It's not much of a rivalry anymore, and I'd like to keep it that way. Yes.
3: Same. I'd love to cover that (laughs) spread and then some.
5: Yes. All right. One last stat for you. All right. Stetson Bennett through the first four games in 2022. He was 92 of 124 for 1,224 yards and five touchdowns. Carson Beck through the first four games of 2023. 93 of 128, 1,184 yards. Six touchdowns.
3: Okay, I can easily keep up with the two who had more touchdowns. So, are you telling me Beck has more yards too?
5: He has 40 less yards and one more completion than Stetson Bennett did last year. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
3: For all the complaining everybody does. But Bobo! But Bobo! You know, know, Bobo, who's running Munkin's offense with – yeah.
5: Yeah, and playing the long game, just like we, I guess we should. It's not a fan favorite, but you know what? All we're interested in is um, getting back to the national championship.
3: And also, yes, also worth noting, um, Bubbo is doing what he's done without Darnell Washington, without Ladd McConkey, um without – uh what was our running back that was so great out of the backfield?
5: Kenny Mack.
3: Mack. Um yeah and without Stetson.
5: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's got a new quarterback in there. Um, yeah. And he's doing all that. So, uh, let's keep it rolling. I mean, we're, I, I think it's going to come together. Um, you know, it, it, may, may take some time. We may take the long game and, you know, a little bit of anxiety on the way in some of these games, but, um, you know, it's, it, it Working towards you know, being at our peak for the SEC championship and beyond is is Kirby's goal.
3: We're a work in progress. We don't want to peak too soon. We're like a crescendo. Like this is a, a chart of what we're trying to do is keep on going up.
5: That's it. Peak
3: That's on it. January 8th. Is that the date?
5: Uh, somewhere around there, yeah. I don't know exactly, but, yeah, that – that second week in, in January. That's when that's when we pull out our 65 to three or sixty-five to seven. Yes. Yeah.
3: When some Cinderella gets in that shouldn't be there.
5: <laughs> Man, I'd love for a low stress national championship that we're in again. We
3: yeah. will never have one like that one. It'll never happen again. <laughs> no,
5: no, but it sure was it, fun. Compared to the previous
3: Oh year. gosh, yeah. compared to the previous game.
5: <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, Bert,
3: as always, thank you for joining us and bringing all your wonderful stats. Uh, it actually adds a ton of perspective to you know what everybody's kind of seeing when they read headlines. It, it gives you some true insight.
5: Yeah, it you know it, it it really tells you who, especially as we get later in the year, who is going to be a contender. And, um, and we're getting to that point. So thanks for having me again. Well,
3: thanks for coming. Go, dogs. Go, dogs. So we are back with the man now being tagged as a modern day Nostradamus for his prognostication. What's going on?
0: Nah, you know, we're 4 0, baby. That's all that matters.
3: That's all that matters.
0: The, the Bulldog Nation can just be restless and. Be upset about this, that, and the other. That's fine by me. Uh, that, that 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 gives Kirby plenty to coach every week.
3: Yeah, the level of uh, being spoiled and entitled is uh, basically reaching Bama fan base levels. Um, I heard
0: I heard a media guy that I respect, and I won't say his name, but he was on some show the other day, and he said that if we won twenty four to three. At Auburn, he would not give that a grade A. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: I mean, three touchdown win at Auburn. <laughs> That's that did that isn't I guess that maybe what's that? A B a C plus?
3: I mean, and I think you got of take into effect, you know, the first four games all of the ill injuries and, you know, getting hit by the stomach bug or whatever it was and you know a little bit of some kicking issues and oh by the way a new oc and a new qb and and i don't even want to tell you i don't have to tell you how many we've lost to the draft and to the portal over the last two years so it's really amazing to be in the position we're in considering all that
0: absolutely and if you're a bookie you love it that the dogs haven't haven't covered the last month (laughs) Because you're making some money
3: back from the last few years. Oh, exactly. (laughs) I mean, what is the spread this week? 14? 14
0: and a half. That's an interesting one.
3: Isn't it? I mean, that tells you, okay, is it going to be another slow start? You know, like a 7-7 at the half. 14 to 7 as you, you know, start the fourth.
0: And, you know, their defense held their own versus the Aggies. Uh, you know the offense looked anemic, but you know that's first year coach, not necessarily with his personnel. I mean, that's not that surprising. Uh, again, this is the this is the the season the the schedule that keeps on giving. I, I'm glad we're not playing Auburn uh, like we used to in late Auburn because I think I mean late November, I feel like they will definitely you know. Gel and improve as the season goes along for sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, nobody said that Hugh Freeze isn't a good coach, so he's doing the best with what he inherited for the most part and doing a much better job than his predecessor so far.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it'll come down to taking care of the football like it normally does on on the road. Uh, you know, if so far so good, check down Carson. Uh, we we, we need him to check on down a few more times. at, on the planes uh, <laughs> <laughs> which hey I've been fine with it because he has checked down because the what he was looking for wasn't there now he's missed a couple touchdowns uh, you know it appears across the middle is he he, he doesn't see those as, as as well but you know you can hope that he's he's learning
3: yeah And fortunately, he's been able to, you know, have a month to do that for all practical purposes and have duress in the South Carolina game. Um, Hopefully, you know, he won't have the duress in Auburn that he had then and be able to take the crowd out of the game early.
0: Yeah, and I mean, let's knock on wood, let's hope what people have been saying we're getting Lad back.
3: Well, that was the next thing I was going to ask you. I mean, is that kind of the vibe right now is we think we're going to have him?
0: Yeah, I, I was listening, I guess, to Mike Griffith earlier and um, I think that was on Dog Nation's deal. And, uh, you know, the most encouraging thing is is they've gone from not exactly knowing what was up to they did identify it via specialists. And interesting enough, one of my buddies was fu- flying out in Mississippi like three Mondays ago. And darn if he didn't see Lad and clearly a UGA person at the airport. So that must have been when I feel safe enough saying it now, now that Mike's reporting it, that, you know, it, it was to my buddy and me, it was obvious he was flying somewhere to, to get something looked at.
3: So. Probably the premier back specialist on the planet. Sure.
0: Yeah. Which you know, I asked my buddy, I was like, why didn't you go you know go completely fan fandom and chase him down to see what gate he was or where he was flying to.
3: <laughs> Track him by satellite via the app.
0: Exactly.
3: But I'm, so surprised, they definitely... I'm
0: surprised he's having to fly a commercial.
3: <laughs> oh, he did fly commercial.
0: Yeah, it was. Oh, I figured deal. they'd
3: have him in a PJ taking off from Athens.
0: Exactly. I got. They got. He's got a. He My lad might need to check on his NIL deal.
3: No joke. I figure he'd have enough scratch at this point to do that on his own.
0: And again, we're just speculating, but yeah, he was definitely at the airport on a Monday, uh, flying with somebody that was clearly with the university. So I found that interesting that Mike Griffith did say that. They have identified, he didn't, he didn't, Mike didn't really say exactly what it is with his back, but, you know, let's hope that's the case. We, we certainly need him out there and we need him, you know, not only out there, but to be able to be at full speed, which I'm sure they're, you know, taking every precaution to make sure he can go. So hopefully we get to see him out there again.
3: Yeah. And identifying, it's gotta be most of the battle because you got to identify it. So you know how to treat it. Right.
0: Right. And what about, according, according to Griffith, there's not much you can do to treat it, time, basically. So, which I found that interesting as well.
3: Well, then, you know, they've had him on full shutdown for two weeks. And so then it becomes a gamble. It's like, okay, at what point do we feel like he's been shut down long enough? And I guess they've said at this point, we got to at least try. Right. Yeah. Um, are we thinking Kindle's a go? Yeah,
0: I think you know. I think he. I heard some of that from yesterday. I, I think he's right there with the maybe maybe go. You know, right. So, and I mean, I'm begin. Nostradamus is beginning to worry about. And again, I'm not looking past Auburn uh, ever because they are due. But Kentucky is beginning to sort of. Uh, We've ripped off 14 in a row. They're clearly scoring some points. Uh, Kirby always has the utmost respect for Coach Stoops, I yep. guess, other, other than when he called that timeout so they could score on us a few years ago. Somebody reminded me of that. But uh, that one's kind of the that, – that one's beginning to scare me a little because if they, if they could put 40 – if they could – score 30, 35 points against us, you know, that, you know, I hope we offensively, you know, obviously, again, take care of the football at Auburn, but it would be nice to sort of see uh, some more continuation of, you know, I mean, geez, I mean, we're putting up yards and first downs and, you know, it, it's kind of hard to complain other than at times it just doesn't feel, I guess, smooth, but you know, I went through last year and I called it the Stetson Lowell. I mean, and I, my joke was, but remarkably, most people can't pop out of a lull. Stetson was incredible at it. Right. You know, he would just kind of sort of go into, you know, sort of just not totally clicking on all heels. And then, boom, he pop out of it and everything was fine. So, I mean, it's important to remind people that even over the last two years, it, it, it wasn't all aces.
3: Right. But at the same time, it was just so good, it felt like, most of the time. And, I mean, granted, there were the Missouri games and the Kent States where it wasn't. But I think people just got so used to, for the majority of the time, things just clicking perfectly that it spoiled them. And they got to realize, you know, we're probably, if we're being honest with ourselves, we're probably not the number one team in the country right now if we hadn't just won two back-to-back national champions. Right?
0: Yeah. Other than the fact we haven't really done anything not to uh, not to lose it. And, and that, you know, let us struggle a couple more weeks Uh, with what the media perceives as, you know, obviously Auburn is, you know, but again, Vegas at 14 and a half is interesting.
3: Yeah, it's very interesting. All
0: right. I I want to,
3: you got to be Nostradamus about more than than scores. I need Nostradamus to tell me if Bullard's a go.
0: Yeah, I wish I knew. Uh, Because that's the other factor that uh, is a big old deal. It's uh, a huge deal. I mean, he—that guy is the man. Uh, and give UAB credit; their quarterback was experienced, and you know they—I can't remember—they definitely got what the most points and the most first down that anyone has gotten on us in a long, long time. So uh, that was interesting. Now, and was I like? quaking in my boots and this is the end of Georgia football as we know it. No, I, anytime we get challenged by anyone, it's good for the team, particularly with a schedule that is sort of lackluster. I mean, we, we want some adversity so that when we really get into the dogfight, you you're not like going in completely cold with a lot of new people.
3: Right. Yeah, you need to have your metal tested before you get into, you know, crunch time. And
0: I've now gone to Kentucky, Florida, Mizzou. That's where Nostradamus could hear, could smell uh, old Texas turtles
3: around the corner. Is Florida ranked now? They are. Okay. So, at this point, we've got four ranked teams – On our schedule. Yep. And if we go to the SEC Championship, obviously that'll be five. Yep. Kentucky's not ranked, are they?
0: Uh, That's a good question.
3: I can tell you real quick.
0: I mean, they got to be close to Kentucky. No. They're not. Mm Mm-mm. And they play – who do they play this weekend? It's, is it Vandy? I think that's right. So, I mean, that – Do we think that game day would be coming to Athens if we're undefeated and Kentucky is? I think so. I
3: mean, no, Kentucky's got Florida.
0: Okay, yeah. Oh, the old dirty nooner. In Lexington.
3: That's right. Missouri, I believe, has Vandy.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then, if yeah, the the Vols, Vols, South Carolina is going to be an interesting one.
3: I think it is too. Is that at Tennessee?
0: I'm almost certain it's in uh, the the chicken, the electric chicken. Let's see. No, it's in South uh, Tennessee at night. Got it. Boy, that'll be wild.
3: That'll be wild because South Carolina is not going to be scared of them one bit.
0: I mean, Rattler's the best quarterback in the conference right now. So, let's see what Tennessee can do. Now, how many times have you been to Jordan Air? Oh, gosh.
3: Eyre. I don't know. I went actually a lot in high school and yeah. then a couple times in college, and then I just swore it off. I haven't been in forever.
0: Right. Yeah. A lot of you guys that lived in like Macon, Albany, that that was sort of a, your parents would let you go in right. high school.
3: I got tired of going over to visit my friends in the single wide trailers that they lived in over there. <laughs> and I'm not even making a joke. I mean, you know, I mean that's students lived in single wides. It was yeah. It was <laughs> that's a real thing.
0: Oh yeah. The 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 little uh Whatever little village on the plains has come a long way.
3: Yes. It, it, you know, it, I mean, Auburn really is. I mean, it's been highly developed over what the last 10 years?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: No, I can to remember
0: be. in 20, yeah, the year we won the SEC, uh, yeah, 2002. Uh, now I, it, we were like out in fields. And now that's part of the dorms and the basketball arena. Right. When uh, You know, yeah, like you're saying, definitely in the last 20 years. Right. But, but you were like way out from the stadium. You're like, all right, we're parking almost like where Super Jam used to be. It was like you were at the...
3: <laughs> and hiking in.
0: Yeah. You're like, uh, where are we? <laughs> and how are we getting back?
3: Yeah. Well, this, this is one of those games where I want to win the most because, you know, in Macon, there's really no Florida fans, no Tennessee fans, no South Carolina fans. You know, we beat Tech all the time routinely. But if you lose to Auburn, buddy, you're going to hear it. Right. But if you yeah. bring up the fact that you've beaten them 15 out of the last 18 times, you're a jerk.
0: No, right.
3: You know, they can right. dish it out, but they cannot take it.
0: No, that's why we call them Albie. Our, our, right. our, 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 our little brother to the West <laughs> <laughs> and you love him. He's pesky and he, you know, but you know, and he's going to get you every now and then, but uh, here lately, we've been getting the most, but I, I don't, I, I got nothing but respect for any anytime we go to Auburn. Uh, it, I'll put it right there with Nealon and Death Valley and Baton Rouge as far as when they're rolling that place is deafening and we're sure gonna get to see what Carson Beck's all about if we run into some scrapes in that game you know you, you, you really want us to be clicking you know, a team that's not been starting off that well uh going into Jordan Hare is definitely a concern because you could spot them a couple uh touchdowns, and interesting enough, a kid that played at Frederick Academy as of last week, Jalen Simpson, he's leading the uh, conference and with three picks. So, uh, you know, they, they've got some optor, op, optimistic guys over there on the other side of the ball, but uh, we certainly want Carson to be, you know, Check down Carson one more week.
3: <laughs> what do you know about Auburn's D line? Anything?
0: I think they—they're they, actually uh, again. I—I'll give Mike Griffith credit because he. I think they're actually maybe more disrupted than our current line is right now. You know, and I think that's Kirby told everyone. I mean, gosh, I mean, look what Jalen Carter's, Jordan Davis are doing in the NFL. I mean, we. Don't have that guy that is absolutely wreaking havoc, and I, I think yeah, Auburn and you know Auburn's always had a couple of those guys. So that, that that's that's you bring up a great point because now if, if you want to see where a game can change, just ask uh, uh, Clemson, the old scoop and score. Yeah, <laughs> that, I mean Clemson was about to take a. Two score lead was driving at will. FSU was on their heels, and that safety blitz I think it was a save. I mean, he absolutely depleted uh, their quarterback. Scoop and score, tie game, then let Dabo do the walking. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a bad end for Dabo.
3: Well, that was a bad end, and I don't know if it was as bad as how bad Notre Dame mismanaged the clock at the end of their game against Ohio State, which to me, I mean, if I'm a Notre Dame player or fan, I mean, I am like filing a lawsuit for coaching malpractice because that was horrific.
0: You know, I actually missed that because the Georgia Bulldogs did not cooperate, so I could get home in time to watch that game like I wanted to.
3: Yeah, <laughs> well, I, watched- I literally
0: walked in my door and the, the the Buckeyes were celebrating on the field. I'm like, geez.
3: you you so, should have hung back and uh, at your uh, normal spot." I
0: should have. I th- I, th- I thought I had enough time to have my cake and eat it too. <laughs> Meaning being at my own home.
3: Yes. Going back to what I was asking you about the D-line, where I was going with that is, yes, I agree with you that that's historically Auburn's strength. And I think one of the keys for us to be able to win is to keep some of the pressure off Beck by being able to establish the run. O-line's been a little bit beat up. And, you know, we've been told all offseason that they're world beaters. I've seen a lot of penetration in the backfield and not as many holes being opened up. And to me, that's going to be one of the keys of the game.
0: I agree. I mean, you know, we're, we're about to be tested this next month to see whether, uh, we've got what it takes to be championship caliber or not. And that goes back to, are, are we really the number one team? Uh, you know, We've taken care of business and, you know, I think we still deserve the the, uh, the ranking, but we're going to find out. And if you slide, who cares? If you're, if you're undefeated and you're number three because Texas keeps winning and Flashy puts up a bunch of points, who cares? Right. You know, it'll take care of itself.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. I just want to take care of this game because anybody who's like, "Oh, we, Auburn's not going to be a big deal." There's a 14 point spread. Anything can happen in the SEC on the road, and if you look no further than the Missouri game last year.
0: Uh, I think a three touchdown victory at Auburn, I would most certainly rate it an A.
3: <laughs> I would rate that as an A plus. I don't know yeah. what that guy who who will remain nameless <laughs> is thinking.
0: I mean, I guess. You know, I guess we're just in such a points and offensive world these days that if you're not putting up high 30s to low 40s, it, it, you're not doing a good job. But, I mean, never mind. I mean, geez, look at what Georgia's defense has let up. People would kill for twenties. 20- four points versus Georgia in the last three years.
3: Oh, my gosh. I mean – You
0: know? I mean, what's that? That's almost ten more than what we've been given up.
3: The only thing that I'm upset about, and you know things are going well when this is what you're upset about, is these teams that keep scoring trash TDs and messing up our defense's points per game average because you know I was on record at 8.9. Yes, we gave UAB some short fields, and I think now we're up at what, like, twelve PPG.
0: Yeah, you you've got some issues. You need. I got some, some work to do. I got some yeah. work to do. You know, maybe three straight. Maybe that's what I'll predict: two straight shutouts of Auburn and Kentucky. How's that sound? That'll get you back.
3: I I will take it <laughs> all day. And why don't you throw? Oh yeah, me, there's
0: Vandy in there. That's, throw Vandy oh, in there.
3: Yeah. If if we get Three straight shutouts. You I'm gonna have t shirts made for you. (laughs)
0: Okay. Although I'm worried about Kentucky. So
3: Dude, I'm worried about Auburn. That's all that matters, right? Yeah.
0: I mean I mean
3: But I know what you're saying.
0: I say it every I mean, you know, fifteen out of eighteen. I mean at some point the other guy is due. I don't think, you know, the bottom line is is with what Freeze inherited and a whole new offense. I mean, this Georgia team sh- should, should win this game. And I, I say that, and, and not at all not having respect for Auburn and playing over there. It's right. just this particular year, uh, I don't think, you know, and that, that, that was a lot of the reason I liked last year's schedule. I thought there were other teams – Florida in their first year, Coach, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think Tennessee still. And it is funny. I did tell you at the beginning of the year that I had to see Tennessee follow up their impressive year and that the, the likes of Ole Miss and Arkansas couldn't do it. Uh, Tennessee did not look like a team that's going to have one loss when we played them. In November against the Gators, and that's not right. to say they, they can't get it together, but they also have that Alabama team they're playing.
3: Yeah, and A and
0: M. Pretty sure I think they don't they play them back to back. I think so. Yeah.
3: All right, South Carolina and Tennessee game excluded. What's your upset of the week?
0: Golly, mm. I'll go. Well, what's the line on Kentucky, Florida? That's a good one.
3: I don't know the line. I'm just talking straight up.
0: All right. Well, I'm gonna say the Gators are gonna the Gators are gonna beat Kentucky. And I don't know if that's an upset or not, but suddenly I think the cocktail party may have some implications.
3: See, I mean you've got night game you've been talking up Kentucky and it's a night game at Kentucky.
0: That's all right. I mean, I'd rather play Kentucky undefeated than, than having smartened from a loss from Florida.
3: Right, but aren't you saying that Florida's going to beat Kentucky? I am. Okay.
0: And then we're going to have to come back and beat a wounded Kentucky team.
3: <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> let me let me look at this schedule here. Let's see what I see.
0: I know. I wish I had mine. It's in the.
3: Should I pick Colorado over USC?
0: (laughs) Well, uh, did you see that primetime trademarked five more phrases yesterday?
3: No, what did he do?
0: Oh, I wish I had them for you. They're good, but it's sort of like this guy is a trip. I love me some primetime, though. All
3: right, here's a good one for you. I do, too. I do, too. He's good for the game. He's entertaining. Duke at home against Notre Dame.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would rather, I'm going to say Notre Dame's going to win that one. Mm. Although I'm very impressed that uh, Duke's coaches, I mean, are they going to be able to keep that guy? Because that's impressive what he's done with them.
3: Yeah. I agree. <sighs> I'm going to go with Duke.
0: All right. I mean, here's a better question. Who's going to be our next running back to shine?
3: Lineth Whitehead. Okay. Possibly pronounced Lineth, based on what I've read in Bulldog Illustrated's pronunciation guide, which is yes. very helpful.
0: Yeah, let's look at that. Let's I believe you have that.
3: him down as Lineth.
0: Yeah, well, this is this comes from the uh, from the athletic department, sure, so. and it's helpful. Yep, Linneath L-E-N-D-A-S-H-N-E-E-T-A-S. Linneath. There you go. Lenith,
3: I mean, Tyson said that he's heard some rumblings. We may see him soon. I don't. I mean, maybe he's just having to get. I bet it's a complex offense to just come into.
0: Yeah, I'm still hoping uh, Andrew Paul comes alive. I actually took a cool – met his family going into the game, took their photo. They were super nice, you know. uh,
3: Where's he from? You
0: know, is he from the Augusta area? I want to know that, so I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, No, he's from Dallas, Texas.
1: Hmm.
3: Yeah, I've been waiting for him to flash, too. Hopefully, he's kind of getting his legs up underneath him after the ACL.
0: Yep, Dallas. Mm-hmm. So,
3: we need him. We need them all.
0: Yeah. I mean, thank the Lord. Deshaun has come back. Boy, can you imagine if he was out?
3: No. <laughs> no, we would be in big trouble.
0: Yeah. So, But the, the getting's good, baby. Georgia fans need to just enjoy where we are. I mean, S-
3: savor every victory. We're in the I mean, middle of some massive streaks right now.
0: I mean, massive. And, you know, maybe our field goal kicker's about to get hot. We're going to need him.
3: <laughs> well, I hope we don't need him because we're scoring touchdowns. Sure. But, but I, I get your point.
0: Yep. I did like that Butler gave him his play his special teams of the week because he made all six
3: PATs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hap Hines last week said, don't worry. He said, it's kind of a a quantum leap to go from kicking in front of a thousand people at a high school game to a hundred thousand people in college. And, uh, I see his point.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I happened to meet, uh, the kicker's dad at the first game. Neat, neat guy, neat family. Uh, I just find it interesting that Zirkle. I mean, evidently, th- there's been no move to him to even try him. So yeah, I it, guess
3: Woodring's from Dallas too, isn't he? Uh
0: man, you're making me look. Oh, he's from <laughs> Louisiana. Oh, okay. Yeah, Louisiana. Yeah.
3: But yeah. he was the one that came out of the shoot and was like, I'm not getting recruited by anyone but Alabama and Georgia, and I'm picking between those two. Don't even call me. I like that. Yeah, that's ballsy.
0: I wish there was more like him.
3: Yeah, no kidding. Make life simple.
0: College football. I mean, you know how crazy it's going to be next year when we're the 12-game playoff?
3: Not crazy enough because I wish it would be a 16-team playoff. Why? Because why not? It's really not that much more football. It's four more teams playing an extra game. Yeah. But well and, and it's an opportunity for the top four teams to easily have that extra home game.
0: Well, that that's the only thing I haven't liked is that yes, you're being rewarded with an off week, but yeah, your your campus is not getting a game. Right. Uh and you know you have the whole thing like you're going to have in the NFL that is the bye week good or bad, right? Because the minute you come out flat,
3: oh, oh yeah,
0: they they were playing so well before that bye week. But I, you know, hey, I, I think you take the rest.
3: Yeah, with the implosion of the Pac-12 into the Tupac, is there any chance? of an expansion to 16 games.
0: I doubt it.
3: You know how the only way that happens is, don't you? Sankey. If Sankey's leading the charge, it happens.
0: Well, the big question is, is when is the SEC going to let us know next year's schedule? Yeah. Somebody told me in the coming weeks, but uh, last year they did it on September 20th so they're behind, which is not surprising because it is crazy where all we're going next year. You're sort of like, huh?
3: Tuscaloosa, Austin, obviously Jacksonville. Oxford. uh, Columbia.
0: Oxford. No, No, we don't play South Carolina next
3: year. Oh, that's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Lexington, Oxford, Tuscaloosa, Austin. Wow. Yeah.
3: Save those sky miles.
0: Yeah, well, the big key is when they do announce, you got to get yourself a place to stay.
3: Yeah, and we all know that Austin's going to be impossible.
0: Impossible. I mean, you'd probably be better off to have, like, just guests on some some weekends and cancel right now. That's interesting.
3: Yeah, that is, and oh, very strategic of you, Nostradamus.
0: Yes, so, and <laughs> only, only if my dogs could handle that for me as my assistant. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, you're you're looking ahead of travel too.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yes, I I deliver. I
0: sign checks. You know, my <laughs> fact, I've got some delivery kids that. Unlike Danzler, Butler and Rob say they haven't done me yet. <laughs> no, right. I got, I got done by all three of those guys and when when Kevin did it the other morning I was like, "Okay, the trifecta has has been completed. JD, Rob and Butler have now done me." <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, my man. Well, thank you as always for joining.
0: Yes,
3: go dogs. Go dogs.
0: Five and 0, Let's do it, dogs. Come on. I, All right. I, there's a, there's a, some good dogs that are taking this this one off. You included. You and your junket. Nobody from your junket's going this year.
3: It's man. I, I it would take a lot to get me to go back to Auburn. It would take a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, you know.
3: I do. I do have a house that requires chores, and I've been gone for a month straight.
0: No, I, I wrote in my B.I. That's the first thing I did was congratulate all the fans yeah. on surviving it. And then particularly the Athens people that got to wave those. Can you, I mean, having people in your house for five straight, four straight weeks is, and we had some that just popped up unexpectedly last week. We didn't care, but it was, a, by the time it was over, well, part of it was because of the midweek concerts at the Georgia theater, which were, Incredible, by the way.
3: Oh yeah! I wish we had had time to get into that.
0: Let's just say Trey, absolutely Trey and his band, Classic Tab, were phenomenal. So
3: it was a a four-piece. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And he was so into Athens and being there for the first time in thirty years, and was so appreciative. And then he not only thanked the whole state of Georgia for the their support of fish. It was really cool.
3: And And I know you gotta go. I I saw some, you know, he made a cool little speech about the theater and meeting Hauser.
0: Yeah. And then he went back to it. That was the first night, but he, Uh and then man, he did a, they did a five song encore, three of which were him acoustic. And he had done two the night before after the second one, he literally looks at the band and waves them off and says, I'm going to do one more. Mm -hmm. So, And then they came out and just, at one point, he literally, like, jumped up and down, like, challenging the crowd. (laughs) It was impressive. I mean, just like like
3: panic, these guys are in their 60s. Yeah. So, yeah, you were there both nights.
0: I was. Somebody had to do it, baby. Stick to the script.
3: I knew we could count on you.
0: (laughs) That's why hopefully I'll be back in the – in a few weeks to talk about the Wildcats.
3: Oh, yeah. You will be. Trust me.
0: All right. Be good. Appreciate it. All right.
3: Go dogs. Thanks, man. See ya.
0: All right. Later, man. Thanks.
3: We are back with everybody's favorite buffalo. What's going on?
6: How you feeling tonight, Mad Dog?
3: I'm a little bit fragile. I gotta be honest. You know, it's, it's Auburn. I'm I feel like I should be more confident, but we're going on to a hostile environment. We've been injured. We've been sick. I'm ready for us to get well, and this would be a great game to do it.
6: Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I'm ready to see the white jerseys,
3: believe it or not. <laughs> good point. We had not seen mean, them. We're
6: good in those white jerseys, man. I, I'm, I'm ready to see the white jerseys bust out of the tunnel with the red helmet uh, and become a road warrior again. Uh, I look forward to it. I think we need it. We're done with the malaise of UAB Ball State and UT Martin. It's time to move on into bigger things. And uh, I think, you know, it, fifth start for, for uh, Beck all time. It's going to be a tough place, especially at first. Hopefully we can take them out of the game and get some magic we had in past years and, and kind of start quicker and uh, and kind of quiet them down. Um, but, I think this team needs to do this. We're going to find out a lot about this team this week.
3: For sure. Especially
6: offensively, I think.
3: We've got to start fast, and we need clock-eating drives, and we need to give them three and outs and just control the game.
6: Yeah, they've struggled offensively, as many know. Uh, I've watched a little bit of their games. I haven't watched a ton, but uh, their quarterback situation is, is, is not producing that well right now. Uh, I know they run two of them sometimes, but they haven't. Auburn hasn't thrown for over a hundred yards dating back to last year against his last five power five teams.
3: That's staggering.
6: Yeah. That's, that's, that makes uh, Desmond Ritter of the Falcons look like uh, Tom Brady.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I like that analogy. So, if if that's the case, then they're going to have to run against us. And then what's who's their main running back? Jarquez Hunter, Quez Hunter.
6: J. Quez Hunter? Yeah. yeah, Uh He's a apparently a yeah. He's a he's a he's a thick individual below the belt. I believe. I mean, like a his legs are huge and he churns. He's supposed to be really good, but uh, if they don't have a viable passing game, I mean, I'm sure that takes a little little luster off him because it, we're kind of maybe gearing up for it.
3: Yeah, and then. We'll load the box. Then they'll probably load the box on us. Cause they've always got a good D line. They're going to try and stop the run. And so to your point, it's going to boil down to who can pass the ball better. And don't they have a pretty good back end?
6: Yeah, I think so. I think so. But, uh, I think we start getting, I mean, I, I'm pretty confident in I think Beck knows what he's doing out there. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, he seems to be able to pick up blitzes pretty good from what I can tell, what I've seen. Um, he he he's got everything mentally in there. I think it's just, you know, getting him going. Uh, he's early in his career. I mean, it's his fifth game he's ever started. So I hope he's a little more at ease now and uh, and uh, take it down there and and come home with a victory. I I wouldn't think that Auburn would score too many points on us.
3: Yeah, you just – SEC road games, man. It's like I said, you know, I don't. we don't have to look any farther back than Missouri last year to just say you can't take anything for granted.
6: Oh, I know. And another stat I heard last week coming out of halftime, Auburn's first four possessions, granted they were on the road at Texas A&M, but they had four possessions that netted minus 27 yards.
3: Well, I'd love so, to see some of that. Yeah, I mean –
6: it looks like uh, it looks like to me, you know, our defense, you know, I know uh, we're looking forward to uh, Damas Johnson playing a little more to his level. I think he alluded to it this week. So that'll help. We'll need him, especially if they're feeding the ball to that running back.
3: For sure. And, you know, I think what's hampered him is not having a Jordan Davis or a Jalen Carter in front of him to eat two blockers.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might have been a little bit easier to be a, a All-SEC or whatever when you had those two guys. Uh, I don't know if you saw Jalen Carter on Monday night. No. Oh, gosh. He was going crazy for the Eagles. Um, he rushed the passer. The guy threw a short pass. He turned around off his black block, caught the guy, knocked the ball out of his hands. There was another guy engaging the runner, but he came from behind him. Knocked the ball out recovered the fumble I mean Philadelphia is just going crazy over him right now
3: I mean he just looks like a man amongst boys out yeah, there as a rookie it's almost like he's dominating more than the pros or at least as much as he was in college
6: <laughs> maybe he's a little more amped up right now you know sometimes I I think last year he kind of realized he could win with we could win without him and he may have kind of coasted a little bit I think right now he's on a He's running his engine at full full tilt.
3: He's playing for that second contract. Yeah,
6: he's already playing for that second.
3: You know, I mean, yeah. that's going to be his biggest one.
6: Yeah, well, they love him right now.
3: I don't know why they wouldn't, the Philly Dogs.
6: Yeah, they got a lot of them.
3: Yeah. It's,
6: it's I told my wife, I'm like, there's, there's, there's DeAndre. Oh, there's Nolan. Nolan cracked Baker Mayfield. I mean, hurt him. Uh, put a little rib shot on him. And oh, really? Oh, there, there's, there's Jordan Davis. There's, you know, it's like on and on.
3: Yeah, it's uh, crazy.
6: She didn't realize so, how many dogs were on the Eagles.
3: Are the Eagles undefeated?
6: Yes, I believe they are.
3: God, the perfect scenario would be the Eagles to win it all and we win it all. Yeah, unless you're a
6: lifelong Eagles hater like me. I gotta. It's, it's hard for me to – I got to come around to the Eagles a little bit. I've always hated them.
3: Well, I've never really had any ill will to them. Of course, their fans are notoriously bad. They like to throw, like, they don't throw snowballs. They throw batteries.
6: Yeah, when they boo Santa Claus. <laughs> they almost turned the bus up. The Phillies fans almost turned the bus over one time in the playoffs for the Braves. They rocked them. They had the bus bouncing back on two wheels. I heard a story Otis Nixon told one time, I think, of the Phillies trying to, flip their bus.
3: Yeah, they're just animals up there. I mean, they're really not the city of
6: brotherly love. Yeah, they're not at all. They're not at all. Uh, that's that's but, you know, I'm fired up, man, for this week. Uh this is this is uh exactly what the doctor ordered. I'm ready to be done with this early part of the season.
3: I am too. I'm actually looking forward to being on my couch cuz I've been in Athens every weekend. Are you going to the game?
6: No, I have to go to Millageville this weekend. Oh, that's right. Uh, parents weekend. So I'm probably going to be in my hotel room watching the game because I don't think I can stand to go to a bar and watch it. I, I have a real problem doing that.
3: Yeah, it's it's tough.
6: Yeah. You don't know what's going on. You can't hear anything. You don't know who got hurt there. I couldn't see. Somebody had to get out of somebody's way. You know, if it's crowded, it probably will be. I'm, I'm – I told the family, I'm just going to stay in the hotel room, and they think I'm some kind of weirdo, but I don't don't care. That's why I want to watch the game. I'll come out after.
3: Well, invariably, the cable will go out. Someone will inadvertently change the channel. It will be next to impossible to change it back. You'll miss 10 important plays and just go bonkers while that's happening.
6: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Almost as bonkers as Ryan Day went the other night after the uh, Notre Dame game.
3: Yeah. I mean, I was talking uh, with with Bert about that. I mean – The fact that he let eighty-six-year-old Lou Holtz into his head to just you know get to him that bad was just insane.
6: First thing out of his mouth, he doesn't care. He didn't say anything about the game. He came out Iron Sheik wrestling promo. Yeah, first Lou Holtz. It was incredible.
3: Lou Holtz, I think it was Lou's, like, sideways lisp and it, <laughs> that, was, that was infuriating him as he told him Maybe it was. They weren't tough Sh- enough.
6: Ohio Shakespeare's not a tough football team. I mean, yeah. but they did last year against the Michigan Wolverines.
3: <laughs> You're and, doing pretty good, Holtz.
6: And, uh, and And Ryan Day, meanwhile, he looks like he's in the witness protection program. That beard has more just-for-men black paint on it.
3: One hundred percent. I mean, it's like, OK, if I all of a sudden colored my gray beard, I'd know it. And I'd be like, hey, man, you'd,
6: what's going on?
3: You know, you'd know it. Everybody that knew me would start giving me grief about it and be like, dude, come on. You colored your beard black. That's so lame.
6: I know he's not 27. Last time I checked. Yeah. And he looks like he maybe he was mad at Lou Holtz, but he looks like he microwaved his face for about 20 minutes before the game started. Started, his face was so red with that black beard. I was like, man, it, he looks like he's got a bunch of makeup on. He's hiding from the mob.
3: I think he's been in the tanning bed trying to work on his base tan <laughs> so, before the game. He is so so lucky that how poorly Notre Dame mismanaged the clock at the end of that game. I mean, I, I it was unbelievable how if I I was upset on behalf of the Notre Dame fan base, and I can't stand Notre Dame but I can't stand Ohio State worse.
6: <laughs> I know Running 10 men out there for two plays to finish the game? Yeah. And then you try to co- – Freeman try to cover up and say, I didn't want to get a penalty for for what? For substituting getting – or not even substitute for bringing the correct number of players on the field?
3: Yeah, what, are you going to get a six-inch penalty? I mean, it's like I said, it was coaching malpractice.
6: I mean, they got to be dying because if they'd had another guy, I mean, the guy barely got in the end zone. Barely. I mean, imagine if that would happen to us.
3: I would be would on suicide watch. I would. The show would be over. <laughs> we just call it. it, it it's over.
6: <laughs> Losing it on ten men. I mean, I don't know. They may have still gotten in, but I'd like to have my full complement of defenders when somebody's trying to punch it in with under ten seconds going in the game out on the field.
3: Can you imagine what would have happened if Notre Dame had stopped them with 10 oh, men?
6: Oh, man. They, they'd, probably be, they'd probably be crowned. They might just cancel the season and say they're, they've are they won it all, give it to them.
3: I mean, Lou Holtz would have gone bananas over that.
6: Yeah, he, he'd have been telling Ryan Day. To- told you so, or whatever.
3: And he didn't back off of it. He was like, "I still think we're a better team." You know, the end of the game didn't go our way. But you're, you know, Ohio State, you're good. You're not great. I mean, yeah. just sticking it to them.
6: Yeah, uh, Ohio State's offense isn't quite as prolific as it was last year. I don't think
3: we need to get Lou Holtz on this show. That would be like a crowning achievement, just to get him on here talking trash.
6: I think that would be excellent.
3: Hold I'm, I'm making a note. Contact Lou Holtz's agent.
6: Tell him that you are not going to pay the $300,000 speaking fee. It's going to be, you know, just for fun.
3: I think he should just do it just for funsies. Tell him we're, <laughs> tell him we're pro Notre Dame. Dogger, our gambling guru, he's exactly. very you pro Notre so. Dame. He, he's, he's very upset. We need him to come lift his spirits.
6: Yeah, that would be excellent. I mean, he's looks like he's semi-retired. I don't know if he still gets on the speaking circuit. I guess he comes on some shows. I don't. He used to speak to a lot of corporations and all that.
3: Uh, this is the first time I've heard a peep out of him in years.
6: Yeah, he went. I used to like his pep talks back in the old days. Yeah, halftime pep talks. Sure, those were those were excellent. I uh,
3: like the fact that he liked to carry a towel around his neck, like he was yeah, you looked like Granny clamp
6: it, yeah. Granny Clampett walking the sidelines, hunched over. <laughs> we all watched him when he coached South Carolina. I'm like, look at Granny Clampett. He's pacing, pacing. He's like a nervous fox, man. He's just back and forth. The guy has a lot of energy. I'll give him that.
3: Granny Clampett. That is a That's great analogy.
6: My, look at Granny Clampett. I think her name was Irene Ryan in real life. But anyway. <laughs> look it up. Look, look, look up Granny Clampett. Then look at Lou Holtz. they kind of similar body types. I mean, she didn't really look like him in the face, but kind of hunched over, kind of weird
3: looking. I'm, I'm... <laughs> She does. Yeah. She's his long-lost twin.
6: He always reminded me of Granny Clampett.
3: That's hilarious. When he had
6: Ryan Brewer, though, he was rolling. Remember those days in South Carolina when they had Ryan Brewer? Yeah. Like, heavy-set white dude. Just nobody could stop. Yeah. They were
4: good.
3: Man, some of these pictures are dead ringers for a female, ver- oh, <laughs> for a female version of Holtz. Yeah. Oh, Granny Clampett.
6: <laughs> See if you get Granny Clampett on. He might. I not come think
3: on she may have, that. may have she may have moved on to greener pastures.
6: Yeah, great. Irene Ryan. You can't get her. I'm talking about Lou Holtz. Yeah.
3: I exactly.
6: appreciate that we were laughing and saying he looked like gray Clampett. But anyway,
3: I can't believe you pulled the name Irene Ryan out of a hat. Yeah.
6: yeah, yeah. I just remember it. It used to flash up on the screen. back like in the days <laughs> of watching Beverly Hill Yep. It's fantastic <laughs> television.
3: Well, um, have fun in Millieville. I'll do it. Any other words of wisdom you can give us to give us comfort at this time?
6: No, I feel – not really. I just – I'm pretty relaxed. I'm pretty comfortable. I'm pretty excited. And I'm trying to separate myself from the last two years. That's what everyone needs to do. You need to quit thinking about those games. We can think about those teams when this season's over. We need to stop comparing this team to those teams. That's a problem I had, but I'm getting over it now. I realize this is this team, and I want to see this team improve and – go on and accomplish the ultimate goal but they don't really have anything to do with last two teams
3: that is probably the perfect advice for every dog fan and 99 percent of the ones that are on social media whining and crying and moaning about this and about that it's just this year forget about the last two
6: kirby says it all the time but yeah it's hard to do it when the season started it's hard to separate and then one game, two games, three games. You start thinking, well, last year, that's gone, so let's enjoy this year. I, We've got a pretty good chance of doing doing I, again. I like our
3: chances. Yeah. I like our – especially given the fact that there's no dominant team.
6: Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the best part about it. And maybe we become that dominant team.
3: Exactly. We're a work in progress. We need to peak later in the season, and hopefully as each game goes by we'll get more and more confidence.
6: All right, three for the G.
3: Three for the G. See you next week.
4: All right, we'll see you later.
3: And we are extremely excited and privileged to have a DGD with us by the name of Tyson Browning. What's going on, Tyson?
2: Hey, man, not much, man. Thanks for having me.
3: Well, man, thanks for coming. I mean, uh, I couldn't believe that I was able to just – well, I can't tell every I can't give away my secrets of how I was able to li- yeah, land Tyson right. Browning. I don't everybody, want everybody to know, but just know that. Say that again. I said, yeah. Then everybody gonna try to do it. That's right. So Tyson, you were a, a fan favorite running back from 2002 to 2005. I get that right? Yes, sir. Number thirty-one, and you just yeah. I'm not, you just were always making plays, man. I think that was just why everybody loved you so much. And um, tell us what it was like being in the running back room at RBU. Oh, man,
2: it was amazing. You know, I was lucky enough to play with a a big group of guys, you know, from Musa Smith my freshman year, me, Musa, and Michael Cooper. And then we brought in Danny Ware and Craig Lumpkin and Thomas Brown and You know, the list goes on, but great group of guys, man. I wouldn't want to do it with a better group than that, man. I
3: imagine that those guys, when you're in that room, they're brothers for life. I'm sure it's just so much fun keeping up with them and seeing them and how things progress with their families and their careers.
2: Oh, yes, sir, for sure. Brothers for life is a true statement. Uh, I still, you know, my boy Thomas Brown, a little bro just took that job with the Carolina Panthers, you know, my little cousin couldn't believe that I could just text him and he hit me right back. You know, I'm like we're brothers. Like, you know, I know he's been gone and I'm in Athens and he's in Charlotte, but like you build real relationships with these
3: guys. So it's good to know. You know, you can always reach out to your brothers. Oh man, I, literally, I can only imagine because that's all I can do. I mean, the, the just the thought of you know, literally. Being in the running back room at RBU, it's hard to even wrap your head around. And then, you know, you just tell me all the guys you're playing with, and it's it's mind-blowing. Oh, man, it's crazy. I remember coming in
2: thinking, I'm never going to play. <laughs> <laughs> we had Musa, We had a guy named Ronnie Powell here when I got here, and Mike Gilliam and a couple of older guys. And then we brought Coop in, and Coop was – as big as the offensive lineman, so I was thinking I'm never going to play in front of that guy, but, you know, we all competed, but the one thing, we were brothers, and, you know, nobody wished any bad on anybody else. Everybody cheered for the other guy. so it was just amazing, really.
3: So, who was the running back coach at that time? Man, I was uh, talking
2: with my brothers uh, on my brother Chris Burgett's podcast the other day, and I actually have four different running back coaches while I was in college. Wow. Started off with a guy, Coach Pierce, Tony Pierce. And then Coach Pierce left in the middle of like my freshman, sophomore year, I believe. So Bobo took over for a second. And then we hired a guy named uh, Rucker, Coach Rucker from Texas came up. And he was my running back coach. And then before it was all said and done, uh, Kirby Smart was my running back coach my my senior year, so I had a variety of all those guys.
3: And and correct me if I'm wrong, but was that was the one and only year that Kirby was a running backs coach? Correct.
2: Correct. Correct.
3: So so what was that like? I, I bet the room intensity maybe turned up a little bit when he came in there.
2: Oh yes, man. <laughs> that's what I tell people though.
3: They they think
2: that Kirby became this guy this personality when he became a head coach? No, that's not true. He was that guy when he was just a grad assistant. You know, I've seen him go from checking rooms to becoming the running back coach to going on and doing things in other places before going to Bama to becoming, you know, the fastest coach to almost 90 wins in his first 100 games. It's just been amazing, really.
3: Okay, so you brought up something interesting. When he was a grad assistant, He was the guy checking rooms at night? Oh, yeah, man. That was me and his first disagreement.
2: (laughs) Well, I want to hear about it. What happened? Actually, him and Bobo, actually. You know, um, during camp, our summer camp, before we start school, the last night before school starts, they have a big block party on campus. But we're still in camp, so we're not supposed to go. But we're always like, we got to find a way to get to that party. So one night, (laughs) we're all getting ready to try to sneak out. And Bobo and Kirby's doing room check. And they catch us. So I'm like, man, we're just going to go back to the room. But then Bobo and Kirby were like, hey, look, just don't get in any trouble. So I was thinking we could go to the party went to the party. Next morning, Coach Rick reads a list of names of guys who got caught leaving their room. and I'm like, Kirby, <laughs> you you could have just told me to go back to the room. You didn't have to turn me into Coach Rick. But uh, we still joke about that now to this day, really. Him and Bobo.
3: So, at the time where Kirby is your running backs coach at that time. Is he reporting to Bobo as the offensive coordinator or is Bobo just quarterbacks coach?
2: Um, at that time, Bobo was just a quarterback coach. Coach Rick was still the okay. coordinator. Coach Callaway had the title, but Coach Rick was calling the plays really.
3: I got you. I got you. And did y'all? I think y'all had an SEC championship while you were there, didn't you?
2: Yeah, we won two. I won in 2002 and 2005.
3: Yeah. And was when you – So did you win one with DJ Shockley? Yeah, that was my senior year, our senior year. Okay. And then the one in 02 was with who? Green. Green. Yeah, David Green. Yeah. Man, you – Two SEC championships under your belt, that's rare. Hey, man, I told—I
2: tell guys all the time, man, I was blessed. I got a state championship and two SEC championship rings, man. I can't complain about the way the football guys bless me.
3: And so, I mean, if they had had a playoff back then, we'd have been in it. Oh, I tell those guys, we would have been in the playoffs every year. You know,
2: we won – We won the SEC East three out of the four years I was here, and we won the SEC title two out of those four years. So I'm pretty sure at least two of those years we would have been in some of those national conversations.
3: For sure. So what is, like, your favorite on-the-field memory of of a big play that you had?
2: Oh well, you know, of course, my claim to fame is my uh, ninety-three-yard screen pass against LSU. You know. Oh yeah, I I was
3: wondering if that was what you're gonna bring up.
2: And you know, and I had
3: a, and I had a lot of plays that I
2: felt like, you know, I had a, a lot of nice moves that I appreciated, but just the moment of what that play stood for at that time, you know, and being, put me in the record books at the same time. You know, it's just one of the most memorable moments of my life, really. And so, I mean, you're still on the record book for that, correct? Yeah, I may have dropped down. I was number one. And then I think uh, my my little brother Wesley went like 98 against uh, somebody in Atlanta one day. But uh, I'm still in there somewhere. Wait, Scott Wesley's your brother? Yeah, Wesley went. No, I just, all the dogs are my little brothers.
3: Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got you, got you. Yeah, yeah I remember him. He was fast as lightning. Yeah, Scott broke my record a few years later. I was tied with Lindsey
2: Scott, so I really felt like I was like Herschel Walker for a minute. And then (laughs) – but if we would have won the game, I tell the guys, I would have been like Lindsey Scott, but y'all blew that for me.
3: So you are living the dream in that you're in Athens and you work for the university – you got a beautiful family, which I—that's how I know you is from Facebook. You're, here's what kind of a cool guy you are. Some random dude that you don't know asked to be your friend, and you said yes, and <laughs> so that's awesome. You—you you could probably did some uh, due diligence on me and tell that I was a dog fanatic, right? And, um, so it's like profiles. Always check the profiles. Yeah, yeah. Got to make sure it's—it's it's not a hacker, right? Um, so, how many games do you get to go to every game, or how's that work based on maybe your daughter's schedules and what they got going on?
2: Yeah, it, it, it depends, you know, on what my wife has, my wife's schedule, you know, I'm married, you know. How that <laughs> is. So, if my wife doesn't have anything planned, but she knows, you know, during football season, you know, she knows how, how important those dogs are to me. So, my Saturdays are usually my days for my dogs.
3: Well, that is, uh, you've you've got a cool wife now. Did she go to Georgia? Nah, no, we went to high
2: school together. That's my high school sweetheart.
3: Well, that's something we got in common. I married my high school sweetheart too. It's kind of rare. Yeah, the best thing I ever did, though. Same here. That's <laughs> awesome, man. So y'all y'all dated
2: all through Georgia. Yes, sir. We've been together. We always joke. We've been together longer than we've been apart.
3: You know what? I'm about at that same point in my yeah. life too, and I'm. I'm, yeah. I'm Wow. I never thought about it that way, but I'm in the same boat. I've been married 28 years, but dated probably, gosh, seven or eight years. So, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Wow. (laughs) Now I'm starting to feel old. No, don't let your mind go there. That's right. That's exactly right. Right. I, I'm going I'm to ask you a question that, that only someone with your experience and expertise could kind of show insight on. Our running back room, man, is, is beat up. It's just so beat up. And it, it's like we can't stay well and to the point where we're having to get creative. You know, we're bringing Dylan Bell in, and some people are like, oh, you can't bring a receiver in. Well, really, he's an athlete. Right. You know, he played running back in high school. Right. Um. Which hey, we got to do what we got to do, but man how how can we get well? I mean, I, I don't. There's probably no answer to that,
2: right? You know, and I agree. We 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 do have to get well, though. You know, that's the thing about it. You know, we because our running game is going to help Beck. You know, it'll make his job and his life a lot easier if we can get back to to moving the ball on the ground like we've done for years. We've had some of the best backs come through here. Yes, Stetson was good, and Frum was good, and, and Jake were all good. But the backs that were in the backfield made their life so much easier. So once we get some guys healthy, and I think Kirby and those guys have done a good job of you know, finding guys that can kind of fill a role until we can get healthy. But we definitely have to get healthy in that backfield.
3: Well, you nailed it. I mean, the run game enables the passing game, and that's what keeps the defense honest. But, yeah, I'm with you. We got to get that room healthy. And, and gosh, we're we're lucky we got so many guys, you know. At this point, I'm waiting to see, you know, Lyneth Whitehead come in, you know, the Athens Academy boy that transferred from Tennessee. I'm like, man, let's see what he's got. He's a big guy. Yeah, he's a good big guy, good kid.
2: You know what I mean?
3: So you know him? Yeah, I know his dad. You know him?
2: Family. yeah,
3: yeah. Well, I, I was excited when I heard about him transferring in. Just for you know, everybody says he's an awesome guy. Uh Got the size, mm-hmm. you know. You know, unfortunately for him, he had had injury after injury at Tennessee, and uh, you know, I'm I'm still hoping to see him out there. Oh yeah, and and, and I've been hearing.
2: You know, the whispers that they may try to get him out there soon, but we need something. We need some relief in that backfield.
3: Yep. So this weekend, how are you feeling about it? Um, you know, with
2: Kirby, I'm always feeling good about it. You know, I think it's, it's going to be good. It's a good test for us to finally get on the road and, you know, face some, some pretty decent competition in that moment, in that atmosphere. You know, it's a good thing to get that get that that kind of um, experience here this part of the season. I think Beck made some steps last week that kind of prepared him going into this week. So like I said, but with Kirby Smart man, I'm always feeling good.
3: <laughs> yeah. Same here. It's crazy. I, I keep running into to players like you that have these, you know, played a while back, but they still have a, a Kirby connection. You know, I'd totally forgotten that he was a running backs coach, and he was your coach. Then last week, we had Hap Hines on there, on here, and he reminded me that Kirby was his holder for kicks. (laughs) And I had completely forgotten that. I mean, how many times do you have a DB holding kicks? I mean, never. Kirby's a true athlete. Absolutely. A scholar and an athlete. Yes, man. Yes. Well, one thing, you know, that I found, you know, to be cool about you amongst a lot of stuff is – the charity that you work with, yes, sir. So tell us about that. Uh, it's actually
2: something that we formed together. My high school and college teammate Tony Taylor, uh huh, and one of my family members, and actually was one of my agents, uh, Larika Scott. We all came from Oconee, Oconee kids, and you know we always felt like you know we wanted to use our platform for something that could help others. So we started this thing called Classic City Fathers Foundation, and it really was more driven to um, kind of look out for the single-parent households here in Athens. Uh, we started doing uh, book bag and school supplies giveaways every year just so that we can help parents out, understanding how that that's always a burden to the single parent that time of year. And, you know, we try to, you know, we're more, you know, I don't like to advertise what we do for people on social media. So a lot of our stuff is more personal. You know, people contact us. We go out and help where we can, groceries or help pay a bill. You know, just just trying to use what God has blessed me with to bless somebody else, man.
3: That's what it's all about. And, you know, I was so glad, you know, just to see that out there. Or I would have never, you know, I saw I found that buried in your LinkedIn profile. But, you know, I would have never known about it. And that's something that's just so needed, not only in your community, but in every community. Yes. And also, it's a common thread amongst all UGA players. You know, all of them are involved in some charity. And most of the times, it's a charity that they were instrumental in, in founding. You know, in this case, you, you know, and then you've obviously some of the bigger ones like Malcolm Mitchell. And, you know, they're all giving back and making a difference, you know, in the communities in which they serve. And uh, I just think that, you know, that's such a a testament to, well, obviously to the player, but also to the university in general, that they're trying to do more than just create athletes. They're trying to, you know, create men for the future. Oh,
2: yeah. You know, and that was always one of Coach Rick's biggest focuses. you You know, he was more concerned about the man you would become other than the player you would become. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the guys, you know, we all bought into that, you know, and, and that was just a big part of what we were every day. So, you know, to see guys doing so much now, like I got brothers up in Charlotte from Charles Johnson to Thomas Davis doing things. And my guy, Charles is everywhere from Charlotte to Hawkinsville. And I didn't play with Justin Houston, but we're best friends. And he's in Statesboro and Houston. And, you know, just to see these guys continue to do and give of themselves and their time and you know their resources is just amazing, really.
3: Oh man, that's that's absolutely what's up. And and that's great to hear even more stories that I have you know no idea about. You know, all these guys involved in all these charities, uh it's just a wonderful thing to see. Yes. Sir. So, I'm gonna put you on the spot. <laughs> give me a score prediction for Saturday.
2: Hey, you know what? I'm gonna tell you. When I was in college, quick story. Tell me after LSU game. I I had my 93 yard screen pass. Right so I'm up here. I'm like Tyson Browning. At this <laughs> and so I get like a phone interview that that next day, and they asked me for a score prediction, and I'm cocky at this time, so I'm like, <laughs> beat them like 30 to seven. I'm talking. Coach Rick calls me and is like, don't ever do that again. Like you know. <laughs> you don't give the other team any ammunition to use against us. So I hate to predict the score, but I will I'll say we're going to beat them by at least two scores. I'll say that much.
3: Well, number 1, that's what the line is is two scores, but going back to what you said when you predicted 30 to 7, who are you predicting that against? See, there you go, see? Was that <laughs> Auburn? Uh-uh. Was that Auburn you predicted back then? No, nah,
2: it wasn't Auburn. We had just come out of LSU, so I think we might have been playing somebody a little less talented. So I felt a little cocky, so I started throwing numbers out.
3: <laughs> but uh, you just basically got uh, a little butt you, and you didn't have to do any extra stadium steps or anything. No,
2: nah, no. Nah. He
3: just made fun of me all week
2: at practice.
3: And, and Rick makes me think about mat drills. Oh. So – Tell us about the mat drills. What were they? That we, we never really got a good explanation. We just knew they were hell.
2: That's the, the, the most simple way to describe them. <laughs> hey, man, they were torture on some of those days. You know, the coaches went out their way to make it hard on you. Mm-hmm. It was like the drills themselves were hard. You know, we could go up and do a shuff, shuffle, spin, run through the through the line drill every day. That's nothing. But the, the intensity and, you know, the perfection that was uh, actually being required of you, every single rep made those torture. Because it didn't matter what you were doing. If Coach Rick had a problem with a guy standing behind you, not even going, he'd start you over. You know, so that part used to just frustrate you. It was actually the most intense part of the year. Forget camp. Matt drills were intense. So, mat drills
3: weren't a part of camp. No, nah, that was something separate. So, at what point are you doing that through the regular season? Are you doing that in the spring? No, it's like springtime. Yeah. Yeah, like springtime. Well, the the they're legendary. Yes, I'm sure. They, I seen them break plenty of men. Did you ever see anyone cry? Yes, I seen quit cry. <laughs> Want to fight? I said. I said <laughs> Just basically completely break them down,
2: man. Reggie Brown, great story. Reggie Brown, you remember the great Reggie Brown? Oh yeah. Reggie is one of the most freakish athletes I've ever been around. So, mat drills used to be easy to Reggie Brown. Uh-huh. So he started like finding ways to push himself. So one day he came to mat drills with a like a 25-pound weighted vest on and ankle weights on. It was like the coaches took it personal. Like, oh, so you're saying we can't break you? And if you were in Reggie Brown's group that day, you wanted to to fight Reggie Brown. (laughs) (laughs) They did everything they could to try to break Reggie, which was actually torture
3: to everybody with Reggie Brown that day. Seriously. So were they able to break him? Oh, yeah. Broke him. (laughs) so finally he just went ahead and took that off
2: he couldn't chop those feet anymore it was hard to get up off that mat
3: like they finally broke him wow yeah i don't want any part of those things (laughs) well tyson man i know you got to run but i sure do appreciate you coming on and joining us and uh i hope to meet you in person one day oh yeah man we hey the same way we got in contact let's get back that way and we'll set something up let's do it i'll be in athens soon All right, man. Well, just reach out. We can make that happen. All right. That sounds great. Thanks again, brother. No problem, man. Take care. All right. You too. Thanks to our guests. And as always, a huge thank you to our sponsors. This show is dedicated to Johnny Maddox. Gone but not forgotten. Rest easy, my friend. Until we meet again. HBTFD.
0: The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by...
1: The Samford Company, Dogbone.net, Bulldog Illustrated, Classic City Collective, The Park Group Marketing and Media, Bib Distributing, Sellers Construction, Ventures Barbecue, Go Clean Co., J Lee Attorney at Law, Pelicano Construction, Jags Pizzeria, Macon Monogramming, Ortho Georgia, Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Butler Auto Group, ASP, Ward Mini Storage, Walthall Oil Company, Beach Services, Willingham Sash and Door, and Grenford Chiropractice.